AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at cox.com. Ask Ashley the podcast is sponsored by Cox. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. 
Hello and welcome to episode 55, season 9 of the Fighting Cop podcast. Today I'm joined on the line by felonious motherfucking filth and the bastard of Twitter, Bardi. <laughs> Hello Flav. Hello T. I haven't heard T's voice in ages. It's, it brings me nice warm feelings to, to hear his voice and know he's doing all right and he survived because he, he's old as fuck. Um, I, I mean, I, I ask how, how you are because Spurs are in a weird situation currently where... Uh, how many points will we be behind Arsenal? Buzzy, do you know? Two points. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hazard a guess at two points, maybe. Okay, so if we beat Bournemouth tomorrow night as we record, then we go above them before the North London derby. Yeah, we are two points behind them. We can go above them and really put the pressure on them. The thing is, is while that is not the worst position to be in, uh, why, why does it feel, Bardi, that things aren't going well? Um, it's, well, because we got, our, we got spanked by um, Sheffield United and we had a really kind of boring game against Everton, which we won with a, a deflected goal. Plus, um, Mourinho is, we'll probably get into this, Mourinho is an extremely divisive figure and um, it's just, it seems like Spurs fans are kind of split at the moment between supporting the team, wanting Jose out and wanting Enoch out. It's a, it's a weird little place we're in at the moment. It is, but, but we've got more important things to talk about than Tottenham being averagely good. Mm. I don't know if that's the right way to describe them. And that is that some, we got an email from someone earlier today and uh, they sent in a photo of someone who'd taken our logo, the, the Fighting Cock logo, and put it on a T-shirt that said Woolwich, something to do with Arsenal and them being South London mugs or whatever it was. But they've used our logo and put it on the wrong way round. And it's one of the worst T-shirts I've ever seen. <laughs> Uh, and like I don't mind people nicking our stuff. It's not the end of the world. This it happens. It's the internet. But at least put it on a t-shirt that isn't an absolute horror show. Um, yeah. So if anyone sees this t-shirt out and about and sees a logo, in in fact any t-shirt out there with our logo, because we we haven't we've never produced one. I don't think apart from back in, way back in the day, then uh, that that isn't us and isn't reflective of the quality that the Fighting Cock aims to put out. It is. Uh, it's an absolute piece of shit. Um, we do have a. I, I, feel, I feel like we need to start this off because uh, we had a question from uh, Ratio DNB, and uh, the question was, "Why can't you be more honest, like the Spursy podcast?" So, Spursy podcast is another podcast, and um, I think it's kind of well known for being quite critical of the things that are going on at the club. And the fighting cock has never really kind of aimed to... It's not not that we can't be critical of the club, we can. We just don't want to spend an hour each week or twice a week sometimes just creating more negativity. Yeah. But his question, his question, buddy, was why can't you be more honest? I mean, every single day, each one of us gets one 24 hours closer to death. That's that's honesty. That's honesty. Every the, the economy is pretty fucked. That's honesty. I don't need any more honesty in my life than to know that I'm closer to death today than I was yesterday. I I like to football is a, is an entertainment. It's a form of escapism. Unfortunately, Tottenham's fucking horrendous sometimes. So that escapism is terrible. But I like to mm. I like to still look for the positives. I like to enjoy. Lo Celso kind of winding up Dinya. I like to enjoy a deflected goal. I don't need I don't need the minute details of why Levy's a cunt. It doesn't bother me. I don't give a shit. 
I just want to support Tottenham. I want to enjoy talking about Tottenham. I want to find the fun in talking about Tottenham with, with my friends and people that I enjoy hanging out with. What do you think of that uh, question, T? I'm honest. Can't speak for everyone else, but I'm honest. But um, as Bardi said, no one wants to listen to people moaning for an hour. Um, you know, we've got to talk about the Everton game in the next five, ten minutes, and it's a fucking dreadful game, but we'll try and make it fun for the people listening. Mm. Um, but Levy is a divisive character, but as I've said countless times in this podcast, once he goes, then what? Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? Uh, I think the only... It's like there's no future. It's like they get to the top of the hill when Levy's gone, then they're like, well, now what do we do? Yeah, I mean... Any, it, talk about... Talk about what happens after he leaves. Don't talk about what happens in his still here because it's futile. Any, um, well, it's especially futile because he owns the football club. It's not like he, he has to kind of placate the members or, or uh, the clients, as I'm sure he refers to Tottenham Hotspur fans. Um, he can do what he wants. It's his football club. It's a shame. It shouldn't be that way. It should be much more um, inclusive of the the wills and uh, and um, desires of the supporters. But the fact is, it just isn't that way. And the the, the major factor of the fact of why it isn't an inclusive sport and why members and, and fans are not listened to is because of Tottenham and what Irvin Scullog did in the 80s when he floated the club on the stock exchange and made it a PLC and circumnavigated FA rules that meant that that typically wasn't a uh, a doable thing and then pretty much every club in Europe apart from the major clubs in in Germany followed suit so the reason why part of the reason why um this is such a frustrating situation especially if you want Levy out is because of the work that Tottenham Hotspur done previously so there's a there's a sweet irony in that to answer, answer the question why can't you be more honest I, I mean honest I, I'm sure the guy when he constructed his question wasn't really thinking deeply about what he was asking but to say to be more honest honesty is subjective isn't it I could be honest if if I'm being honest about how I feel about Daniel Levy and Tottenham Hotspur and Harry Kane's form or whatever it might be then as I say it I'm being truthful and meaningful and uh and, and certainly not intending to lie uh so it was a bit of an odd question but one that definitely stood out hmm. I think um, sometimes when things are not going correctly and uh, and fans are frustrated as we are right now that if you don't just absolutely slate the club and slate the run in the club and, and kind of acknowledge the the, the failings of our, our, our chairman and whoever else is there the manager then the assumption is that you're you're not seeing the bigger picture that sometimes being patient and waiting and seeing and, and and maybe kind of looking past the current situation we find ourselves in is a it's not being dishonest to, to kind of be patient I don't think not I mean I don't know may, maybe I, I think I, I understand people's sort of frustrations with this podcast because me especially I have kind of blindly defended Daniel Levy but and I can understand why that winds people up the wrong way, but I'm certainly not being dishonest when I say this stuff. I, you know, I, I everything I say, more or less, unless we're joking about something silly, I, I, I'm being truthful when I say it. I think people, if you listen to the Spursy podcast and you're you're hearing something that directly aligns with how you feel about the football club at the time, it makes it feel like it they're they're being more um, 
open to discuss things that are frustrating than we are. But it's like 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 we've all just said, it's God, we have to talk about it in a way that keeps us sane. And um, you know, just saying it's all shit, everything's shit, everything has to change. It's just such a it's a draining thing to do. Um and I don't actually believe that everything needs to change. Things do need to change, obviously. Um, we're going to come on to some of those so those things. But just enjoying your football club as much as you can in spite of what they're doing on the pitch isn't a bad thing. True. And uh, I think the fighting cop for a long time has, has dined off of, uh, of laughing at sort of bad situations and trying to spin positives out of negativity. Um, and we'll continue to do that because if I have to sit down and moan and pick over everything that, that that's, that's happening at Spurs... Just would rather not record. It's just a bit. Honest. It's a bit Arsenal shouting into the wind and not doing anything, j- jumping up and down and complaining. It's a bit Arsenal, a bit childish. The, we've said many times if you if you actually feel passionate about something, do 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 something about it. But yeah, we're we're not gonna you're not gonna crowbar leave you at the club with um, just with ranting on Twitter. T, you know you get frustrated by people not offering up solutions. What in in your head have you thought about what a Tottenham might look like post? Daniel Levy, who might be possible to uh, buy the club? I don't know. I'm guessing they'd want a Man City situation with a despair for one in sight. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's just words. It's just a slogan, yeah. isn't it? Enoch out. Um, there's not mu- there's not much beyond that. I mean, there's slogans that are in the news, i.e., Black Lives Matter, but it's more than just a slogan. It's a movement. I'm not going to go into the politics and all that, but Enoch out. This would be more than just a slogan. There was um yeah. And I've said that, so, and I said that before. I said that you know, if you, you know, boycott the games, mobilize your crew, and do stuff. Don't just hashtag it. On there Twitter wasn't there. Um, there was some ITK in the thirty percent um, Telegram group about the chap from Amazon buying Spurs. I, I mean, what? the thirty t- percent. Ben, what's his name? Ben Benzo. Bezos. Or the owner. Yeah. Yeah. Bezos. What, what, so what you, he's sort of out of everything he's got to do, like all the books he's got to package and send out. He's like, should we buy Spurs as well? <laughs> yeah, just, the thing is, just it, do it. It, it doesn't feel like an investment Tottenham right now. Like, how much more money can we, we generate? Like, we can't, like, for someone like him to come in and, like, what, what, what would he make out of a successful Spurs career? Like, you know, over three years, he may increase the value of the club by 300, 400 million if he did that. But it's nothing, nothing to him. What is likely to happen, in my opinion, if Enoch ever do sell, and I'm not sure that they ever will, is uh, it is someone who needs the club as a political pawn in order to improve their social standing mm-hmm. um, or need to, to, to kind of put money somewhere. And, uh, you know, inevitably that will be someone who is probably from a quite unethical background. If you look at Roman Abramovich and what he did, and how he made his money, he was in a very weird, difficult situation. And if you believe Matthew Saeed, uh, in, in the article he wrote about um, about Abramovich ages ago, maybe 10 years ago now, um, he, it was important for him to become a public figure so that he wouldn't be a target for assassination. Like, I, I don't know if that's true, but this is a reputable journalist who said it. So, um, you know, we need someone like that. <laughs> someone who needs the... the uh, the um, the limelight that owning a Premier League football club it'd be like, it'd be like a genocide upon. top chumps <laughs> mm, we need a pole pot <laughs> yeah, there's, a, 
There's a term for it, isn't there, where, where a, a country that has really bad human rights uses a football club to clean its name. I can't, I can't remember this. There is an actual term out there used for it. So, yeah, maybe we need someone who's done some horrendous things in time to... Um, well, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have billions of pounds, but we need someone who can go and just buy the club. <laughs> Your reputation is in tatters, I mean, so you do need to buy Spurs if you can manage it. Uh, if you look about the Argentina World Cup in 1978... There was a military junta mm. happening at the time. Uh, 30,000 people had died in the country. And um, the, they got the World Cup and they used it as a way to deflect the attentions away from the political landscape in the country and just make it about a celebration of, of football. So it's not like there isn't precedent in our sport to do this. Yeah. There's so many eyes on a game, especially in the Premier League, that it would be a great opportunity for someone who wants to do that or needs to do that to buy a club like Spurs but I don't know I mean who knows it would like you know for someone to come in and buy Tottenham at the moment it'd be so expensive you know the the, the stadium cost a billion pounds to build if you believe the the figures the club and the playing staff are worth at least that so two billion pounds yeah. purchase that 1978 World Cup is amazing like they they took um, prisoners out of prison and gave them an evening of freedom to allow them to celebrate. So it looked like people were on the streets celebrating Argentina being all nationalistic and stuff, forgetting the fact that there was a whole movement of women who were protesting every single day about all their sons that had got stolen. It's a, it's an incredible mm. time in, in football. On a lighter note, <laughs> um, we, we did beat Evan. Um, it was one of the most... Uh, actually, Ricky summed it up correctly when uh, he tweeted, um, thank fuck for that. We won. Now let's never speak about that game ever again. It was uh, it it was symptomatic of Jose Mourinho's reign at Tottenham, certainly in the last ten or eleven games in the Premier League. T, what did you make of it? Oh, fuck knows. Um, it was fucking terrible to watch. But um, no, it's just I think after the Sheffield United defeat, um, I just think we needed a win and we got it. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely punditry there. <laughs> I can hear myself. It's gone weird. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't too um, bad. I wasn't too down about it. I think people are expecting things from this Tottenham team which we don't are unable to do. We can't hold the ball and attack and um, be this kind of all-out attacking amazing football team. So and we can't really defend. So I think we have to find um, a happy medium between the two. We got a clean sheet. We looked relatively at ease. Everton were awful. Uh, but it's kind of what we needed. After after shambles, we needed something which we can kind of hang our hat on and have the players show a bit of desire. A little bit of infighting. Fuck it, doesn't matter. We needed something that we could take forward into this run of games. And we needed to start the week with a win, which is what we got. So there's, there's definitely positives to take from it. Yeah, 100%. The win was, was crucial. Um, but surely... like you. There are, there are failings in this team, but surely you look at the quality within it across the across the board, even in defence where we're you know, perceivably weakest, we should be able to play football. We should be able to break down defences uh, and we haven't been able to. Like, What, what do you think is going wrong, buddy? Um, there's, a, there's a problem in the deep line midfielders and then the, the, the midfielder that operates in, this, in the half spaces between their defence and their midfield. So in, back, in, back in the olden days, we had Ericsson who would do that and Dembele who would work there in, in a deeper role. 
Now we've got the Celso, and when the Celso's deep doing what uh, Dembele used to do, he's got no one to pass the ball onto. Against Sheffield United, we had uh, Lucas, Sun, and Bergvine, who who were not, not none of them were number tens. And then against Everton, we had the opposite, where we had Lacelso waiting for the ball to come into him, and we had Sissoko and Winks. And even though I thought Winks played fine and Sissoko played fine, they're not going to be able to deliver the ball into Lacelso better. So at the moment, we're we're trying to fix our problems by playing around them, and that's why we were switching from four three three to four two three one. And I think the rest of the season is going to see us kind of flip between formations to try and get us over the line. T, do you think uh, if we pushed Lacelso further forward and didn't have to rely on him to be that metronomic midfielder, given the fact we've got one in Winks already, that he would be more effective? Yeah, I think he definitely would. Um, I think with Son and Kane fit, you'll get a lot more joy than he did previously. And there's a lot said about his lack of goals and assists, but. I think this is a perfect storm for him to be pushed further up and with Delhi's injury. Do you think um, the, the fact that we, we do have these, say, important games, we, we want to, to kind of continue a semblance of form and, and win games regardless of whether or not we can finish in the Champions League? Um, obviously, most important thing now is, is finishing above Arsenal, but um, do, do you think it's an acceptable way to approach games where it's it's kind of being defensive and pragmatic and and not over over committing going forward do you think that's like an acceptable thing if we get the results buddy um what i wanted from post lockdown was to for Mourinho to lay out a plan his master plan of what tottenham would be going forward um that hasn't happened instead we've reverted to pragmatism to try and get the points because he thinks the possibility of a, a top five a top six finish is still on so he's going to try and get as many points as he can out of each game so we're not going to see any kind of long-term planning. And I, I for one, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. I would happily scrape one nils from now to the rest of the season, finish above Arsenal and, and then work from there. Um, yeah, I mean, if we beat Bournemouth uh, tomorrow night and then maybe draw against Arsenal, then we, we are looking relatively decent. And again, I think the frustrations aren't necessarily the results because since... Mourinho has come in we've performed infinitely better or, or produced infinitely better results than we had under Pochettino before him like, I think we were in like 14th or 15th when he took over um, but the the kind of the way we're playing is, is so is such a kind of juxtaposition to how we want to play and how we historically have play, paid, played that the results are not getting potentially the credit that they deserve yeah, I also think that kind of, of how we play is a bit of a myth at the moment. We haven't had a style of play for 18 months, perhaps even longer. Uh, Pochettino reverted to Hitlerente in moments of crisis. We haven't really had a, a proper way of playing since maybe, I think the last time was the, the first season at Wembley where we still had some semblance of style. Ray Grit asks, uh, who wins in a street fight, Lloris or Son? I think that army training... Probably give Son the edge. He would have done some sort of close, close combat, close. Uh... <laughs> yeah, or do, you, or do you think it's like Gareth from the Office, or it's just territorial army type shit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he'd have learnt a great deal in in three months. Um, it, what, what did you make of that that bust up as it happened? Yeah, you know, in the the end of the the first half. T. Um, I just didn't know what the fuck I was seeing. I just saw. You know, it's all you know, fairly tame first half, and then they're going at each other. 
I just laughed. Um, and I sent out a tweet, just loads of laughing emojis. I still hasn't quite sunk in what the fuck's happened. But I think in <coughs> light of Mourinho's post-match comments, I think he, he let a fire under him. He said he got a call out to other for their mistakes. Maybe Hugo took it a bit too literally. I mean, you, you couldn't think of two players that have the least amount of contact and the, the, on a football pitch or the two, the two players you would least expect to have a fight. Um, I, I quite I quite enjoyed it. It was a dull first half. I, I quite enjoyed it. And it, it's nice, you know. Son Son tried to get away with out tracking back, and he'd been a bit lazy, and he got he got called out for it. And um, you know, good good on Larice. We always say that he's not captain material, but he, he did he did put it about a bit. Um, I mean, it's long long since it's been said about how influential he is in the dressing room. And uh, I don't think it's a mistake that Mourinho and or, or I don't think it's like a, a strange thing that both Mourinho, uh, whoever manages the French team and Pochettino make him captain. He's clearly influential. Um, I, I did wish that, and I said this on the Five Statements podcast on Patreon after the game, I wish that he'd perhaps waited till he got in the dressing room rather than doing it in front of everybody. Because in that moment, while it's not a big big deal and you often see ex-pros talk about how often these things happen you know bust-ups and fights or whatever it might be but it, it, it at the moment when it, when it happened I was just like fucking hell we are falling apart everything's going wrong but in reality <laughs> it's probably not a, a big deal see what you say and I said the same I thought I felt the same way I just thought what the fuck is next it's a crazy crazy season if if Luis had a problem with what with Son's lack of desire to get back, even though, as John Bass said when I spoke to him about this, that he probably wouldn't have been able to influence what happened in that stage of play anyway. Ricardo was like miles from from Son <coughs> when he received the ball. Um, but it, it, if Lloris had an issue, it's important that he vocalised it. If he just thought, "Ah, oh, fuck it," that's that's definitely the wrong attitude, buddy. Yeah, that's uh, that's how bad things happen when people just allow shit to be swept under the rug. It was good he called it out. Uh, Gin Buddy says, which member of the pod would you start a fist fight with if it's got them to up their podcasting game? Uh, <coughs> who would you fight on the podcast to make sure that they did better at talking about football? <laughs> we don't have the desire, I don't think. This is the problem. Yeah, I would. I'd go for someone. I'd go for someone physically weaker. So I like. I wouldn't. Alex. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't fight Alex because at least, even though he's a terrible, terrible boxer, I, he's got a bit of training. So, I mean, I would never fight Windy, but I'd, it's and it's real chicken to go for Windy. But I'd, I'd, I'd have to go Windy just because a weight and and size difference. I'm going to plead the fifth and the answer because I, I think it's out, out of order that you've even picked <laughs> You made me go first. <laughs> Actually, you didn't make me go first. I just went straight in and said I wanted to fight Windy. Uh, T, anything to add? Spooky. Yeah, yeah What? why? Just give him a shake. Wind him up. <laughs> Get, let's set him off. <laughs> uh, not, you, you don't start a fight when you start a fight to G him up. So yeah, yeah. spooky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's All true. Right. Spooky, yeah. All right, yeah, let's all kick the fuck out of Spooky. Um, Deli Ali missed the game through injury and we're also going to miss the Bournemouth game. Um, yeah, I, the while I've been critical of Deli Ali, I think that he would probably help us in, a, in, a, in enabling us to uh, unlock the defences of, uh, of the teams that have been 
up against us because they, they always seem to set up in a low block kind of defensive style which we have been unable to break down for ages even when Pochettino was was in charge that we just haven't been able to break these teams down and while Deli Ali has his limitations he does try things that, that are out of the ordinary that perhaps we need in order to create some opportunities against these teams do you think we're going to miss him against Bournemouth? I mean, Bournemouth have conceded nine goals in their last two games, so... Um... Definitely clean sheet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I was talking on the extra inch last night about... Do you remember when we played Bournemouth last season away and they put in that child in goal and he had an absolute leviation of a performance where Travers, where he just saved everything. Do you remember, do you remember that little guy? Yeah, we went down to nine men. Yeah, or, yeah, but yeah. before we went down to nine men, we'd had like, I don't know, maybe 10 amazing chances and he was saving everything. And um, yeah, since then he's never he's never caught a football again. So it's well within Spurs' ability to to give Bournemouth a clean sheet. I was at that game. I've never been to Bournemouth away. It's notoriously difficult to get tickets there because uh, there's only like 900 tickets available. Mm. But someone I know sorted me out, and uh, I went down with my missus because I live about an hour's drive from Bournemouth. And uh, yeah, we went down there, and uh, Ollie's been to three games: the Newcastle one they lost this season. The uh, that game against Bournemouth, we went down to nine men. Son and Foyth sent off, ha- held them to about eighty-six minutes before I think Ake scored a, he- a header. Yeah. Uh, and the other game that she's been to was Spurs versus West Ham in the last season at the the, the old stadium, and we were two-one down. And uh, in my wisdom, I said to her, "Come on, let's get out because it's going to be a little bit naughty, and um, it's, it's not kind of a situation that she's necessarily." Ofay with although would would have been fine so I just thought let's get out of there and obviously Spurs scored two goals in the last two minutes so she's never never uh, never never seen Tottenham win she also got punched in the ribs that, that day against Bournemouth as well so Jesus uh, who, who punched <laughs> in the all. ribs oh she just wound me up she said a few <laughs> things in there <laughs> um Jose Mourinho says a team uh, of good boys, a team of nice boys. The only thing that they can win at the end of the season is a fair play cup. Sometimes I have never something I've never won and have no interest in winning. So obviously this is a reaction to Lloris and stuff. Do, what did you make of those comments, T? Anything? Well, I think it just wants us to be hard nosed and does not care about um, your teammates or opposition players hating you. I think that's probably what he wants Spurs to be, just have that real siege mentality. And that's what I gleaned from it. I mean, some people have said he's throwing players under the bus, but I just think he's just trying to create a culture within the club. Um, may not be one that's um, in the traditions of Bill Nicholson and the other man- great managers that we've had, but it's an image that will get Mourinho what he's been paid to do, which is win games and hopefully win trophies. Uh, there's an interesting stat actually from the BBC. It says um, Spurs have now kept a clean sheet in the last t- two of the last three games, as many as they've had in the, their, their previous 14. Much of that was under Mourinho, but it's been ages since we've we've been difficult to break down. And not saying that that's what we have currently. You know, Sheffield United scored free 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 against us, and we've conceded goals under Mourinho for sure. But the fact is, we haven't really conceded. In those two games where we we um, drew clean sheets, there weren't we didn't concede that many guilt edge chances. You know, West Ham and Everton. I'm not saying they're the best attacking teams, but they're they're decent Premier League sides. Everton especially, 
Um, do you make, do you take anything from that, Barley? That the, the fact that perhaps we are becoming more difficult to beat, even if the football isn't great. Yeah, I think like what you said, I th- a lot of it had to do with who we were playing against. But we we were the, like one of the lowest teams with clean sheets in the league, so it's 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 promising that we've got two from there. I, I'm not going to turn around and say Mourinho's fixed all the defensive problems. I don't think he has. But uh, I think having a, a at least kind of semi regular back four and the goalkeeper back helps us. Um, but our defence still has a long, a lot of work on it to 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 break into where we want to be. T, what do you make of this question? Dom Signori says, uh, "What is wrong with sacrificing attacking flair in the pursuit of trophies? Consider we have, considering we've not been spectacular on the eye for about fourteen months." Um, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not. It's not enjoyable to watch. Um, I mean, I got a refund for last for last night before last, so it's quite relieved I didn't pay money to watch that, but. Um, Mourinho's been given a remit to, to win trophies and win games and if that's how he feels he's got to do it then, then fair play it's not in the Spurs traditions but the Spurs traditions may not get us where we want to be today and I just think if we win one trophy we'll, more will come so I don't, I don't have a problem with, um, with sacrificing a bit of attacking I mean I think there's a, there's a problem with this question it's not like um it's not. It's. It's not like you can take this current Tottenham team and just make them defensive because there's too many fucking idiots in our in our defence and there's too many players capable of doing stupid things. But where where Mourinho has had excellent defenders, he's always opted. He's always gone towards pragmatism over attacking football. But I, I just don't think that's possible at Spurs at the moment. But if we sign three good defenders and don't don't strengthen our attack. I think we still have the attacking players in the squad to to do some damage. I think I think um, ultimately, if you look down the road, you know, a year from now, and we've won a FA Cup and you know had a, had a jaunt at the league or or a Champions League, then you can look at that and think, all right, fair enough, it's worth it's worth it. It's worth the fact that the football isn't that exciting. But the fact is, there's no guarantee of that, and and the reality is that it is that we're spending our time watching Spurs games, and the football is so boring and so uninspiring that even when we win, uh, people are, are, are angry, and that that that's an issue. I, I you know, we, we've seen in the last three or four years that we we've been able to play good football and get results, not get over the line and win trophies, but beat teams convincingly, and that is recent in the memory. So to, to watch a different style of football right now where things aren't nearly as entertaining as they, as they have been in the recent past, it is quite difficult to swallow. Like it, it, right now, in my head, I, I, would, I would much rather see a more open, flamboyant way of playing even if the results didn't stack up, and that's fucking a weird thing to say. But we don't have the players to do that. It's not. It's not. That, why, why? Why don't we? Well, of course we do. Because we we have we have the forwards that can hurt teams, but at the moment our forwards are having to rely on counter attacks because there's no way that we can sustain possession in the final third. Yes, we get seventy percent possession because our centre backs pass it amongst themselves, but we can't. We can't impose ourselves on the, in the final third of the pitch because we don't have the players able to to keep the ball there. Lucas loses. Lucas's touch is terrible. It, there's not yeah, but, not the players to be able to do that. Yeah, but create a system where where we can play. Like you remember against Aston Villa, I think Steve Bruce was the manager, and um, Pochettino had 
Rose and Walker as our most advanced players average on, on the pitch, um, which, you know, I think they set up with a back six or, or something crazy like that. Yeah. But like committing our fullbacks in, in, in a way that means we haven't... <laughs> yeah, in game. but our fullbacks are Serge Aurier and Ben Davies. So there's, there's, it's yeah. a massive thing. It's like committing Serge Aurier up front. What's he going to do? He's awful. He, he, you know, he can't pass. He can't cross. He can't beat a man. With Carl Walker's one of the best fullbacks... England's one of the best right backs England had for a long time, and Danny Rose for those two seasons was an incredible footballer. You can't you can't mm. try to replicate that with those two. Plus, they were able to push forward, safe in the knowledge that Dembele and Wanyama and Eriksson. I mean, you 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 had to like virtually shoot Dembele in the head to get the ball off him, and Wanyama was just he was he was a monster at re- reclaiming possession immediately. As soon as we lost it, bang, he got it back straight away. So they were they yeah. were allowed to kind of almost you know I don't know what it's called where you kind of predict that you're going to keep the ball and you don't need to turn and run back. So it's it's very different individuals we have now. Eric Dyer has been given a form match ban. Uh, this is for him marching into the stadium <clears throat> to beat up someone who's given his brother grief. Um, what did you make of that, T? I mean, what do you think of the, the, the ban? Is it acceptable? I was expecting um, eight weeks at the time it happened. Eight, eight games. So, eight games. So, yeah, at the time it happened, I thought at least eight games will get a ban for that going into the stands. So, um, the fact it was four was um, was a bit of a bonus. It's just the timing of it, really. But it since emerged that the timing was delayed because of... Um, Dar requested a bit more evidence, I believe, from the... From he the also police. wanted it to be kind of like a non-playing issue so that he might have got um, community service rather than game bans or, or, or something along those lines. Um, I You can't argue with the fact that he was banned. You can't... As much as, like, ethically, he had the right to do what he, he, he did and I would have done the same thing and I think any of us would have done if our family members are getting, you know, attacked or verbally abused or whatever... I still don't know how he figured that out, but maybe he kind of just saw some commotion. But you can't, as a player, enter the stands and you know behave the way he did. As much as I applaud him for doing it, if that makes any sense. So a four-game ban kind of feels right. Um, it's probably even a little bit lenient, and um, you know, just it is what it is. But it's a weird thing, Bardi, isn't it? That we're now like fuck. Eric Dyer's out. What are we going to do? <laughs> when six months ago, you're like, I don't care if this geezer never plays for us ever again. Uh, I wasn't too bothered he got suspended. He's he's done fine, but I'm I'm not crying about it. I don't mind Sanchez and Alderweireld seeing us through to the end of the season. Um, Alderweireld came back. I thought he looked good. Looked solid. Looked, uh, looked comfortable. Uh, passes were a little bit wayward at times, but um, it was kind of, you feel just feel more comfortable with him there than any of the other defenders. Mm-hmm. T. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point that, you know, when it's on the pitch, you don't worry about, you know, silly little mistakes. You know, Marshall's a bat line so well. His passing is wayward, but I think his passing does hold the key for how Mourinho wants to play, wants to manage Tottenham. So, I'm not surprised he got dropped, but the other two had done well until the Sheffield United game. But, no, it's nice to see Toby Alderweireld back in the side. Just gives us the extra security. See, who would you put in our defence, given that Dyer is... Uh... It's obviously suspended against Bournemouth and, and, and going forward. Would you bring Vertonghen back in or is it about Sanchez and Alderweireld? I'd probably put Sanchez in myself. I'd rather Vertonghen be at left-back where he's in less out of harm's way. I don't think he plays, really, unless there's absolute, you know, we have an injury nightmare. 
which is well within the realms of reality where when you've got Ben Davis in 2020 yeah 2020 has been a, a mad one um <clears throat> yeah I agree I think Davies uh, sorry uh, Sanchez and Anadaveld in the center back positions do you, would you would you change anything for the Bournemouth game body in terms of playing staff and uh, you know our first 11 would you if you were manager what how would you set up against them I would not play Lucas I would um, I'd play Bergvine instead of Lucas, and that would be, pro- and then obviously Sanchez for Dyer, that, and that would be my two changes. I would. Um, you wouldn't. Would you keep Sissoko in? Yeah, I'd keep Sissoko. He's proven himself to be a pretty decent um, defensive midfielder, who's pretty. He's more adept at covering than I than I thought he was going to be. I I liked how Winks was knitting things together, and I I think the 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 trio of Lacelso, Winks, and Sissoko has something about it which I I quite like. I think Sissoko definitely still has an important role to play. I just feel like he's more suited to teams that are going to be more open, like bigger mm, teams. Yeah. Like Arsenal, I would definitely start him. But against Bournemouth, where they're definitely going to sit back and kind of look look for for King and, and um, the other good player, I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, to, to look, look for these players. But he, he doesn't necessarily have the technical ability to to take the ball in space and decide what what ball can can create the most amount of damage or or cause problems and I just think like a team like Bournemouth who are going to sit back we don't need him in there like Winks and Sissoko so Winks and Lacelso as if we're playing four two three one would be fine uh, I don't know um, I, I thought um, Sissoko's diagonal run was key to Lacelso's goal against Everton. It was absolutely, but yeah, you're right. He's he, his 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 ability to to pick a pass and and progress progress us up the field is 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 poor. But but that you know that's that's the role we need to improve in. That's the role we need to um, upgrade this this summer this this window. It's not it's not it's not like we have Ndombele on the bench that could probably do that. Uh, I think Ndombele's problems are far bigger than his passing ability. I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening between him and Mourinho, but I, I think he's probably going to lose that battle. Checking he's on the skag? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he's on, but he's just... It's, um, it's insane that um, he hasn't changed his way of thinking and Mourinho hasn't changed his way of thinking. And Mourinho's Mourinho. He's never, he's never going to change. And either the player bends their will towards the manager or he'll get sold, which is probably what will happen. I reckon uh, like Ndombele goes into uh, knocks on the door at Jose Mourinho's office and went, "Boss, can I can I have a game this weekend? Like thirty minutes?" And he's like, "You can, Tangi, but you're on the skag. You've got got to get off the skag." And he went, "Oh no, I'm I'm trying. I've said, Tangi, there's a needle hanging out your arm right now. You've got a tourniquet around your, your bicep. Get off the skag and you'll get some get some minutes." And he's like, "All right, boss. All right, all right I try." Um. Bardi, tell us about... I'm going to butcher this, definitely. Milik, just say Milik. No, I don't want to. I want to try Arkand Milic, see? Jesus. Arcadius, man. It, no, what, in yeah, fairness to Flav, it looks harder than it sounds. So if you... Well, if if yeah. I didn't... If I can does it, I can read no, it. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't look like Arcadius. It looks it like does. it's Arcadius. Mate, I think I'm right. Jesus you could be right. You could be right, but you're not. Arcadius Milik. So what? Was it Milik? So when 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 Napoli had uh, Higuain, they sold him to Juve. Then he was going to be the replacement. Their number nine. They would build their attack around. 
but uh, they signed him and he, his knee exploded and then he healed and he came back and his knee popped again so he's, he's absolutely when you say exploded what do you have an ACL something like that I don't know something biscuit related it absolutely it fell apart and um his his minute his goals to minutes ratio is good because he doesn't always start every match. Napoli quite often they like the three little guys in Signe, Mertens and Callejon, so they don't often play with the number nine. But when he has played, he's looked pretty good. He played the other weekend. He did this incredible header. Didn't go in, hit the bar. But he's what what type of player is he? Number nine. Is he like a target man? Proper number nine, but with a bit of link up play and. He can shoot off either foot and he can smack. He's got a big old forehead. He can properly head of the ball as well, which always helps. So, a co- yeah, yeah, he's miles better than Piontek. Yeah. Has he got a better celebration, though? I, I don't think so. He doesn't have a better song either because Piontek had uh, an incredible song. Um, he's. Go on. Pull, pull, pull. <laughs> you know. <brr. laughs> no, fuck you, <laughs> I'm embarrassed I just did that in my own. Bo, 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 bo. Bo, bo, um, um, so, uh, what, what, what do you make it? This is a Daily Mail story about Lucas Moura being offered as uh, sort of a make weight in order for us to bring in Milik. Um, I, I'm not sure why Napoli would want Lucas Moura, but um, I, I also think Milic is, is really keen on a move to Juve, which is which is like the kind of, you can't, that's a horrible move to make from Napoli to Juventus as they're proper enemies. Well, Napoli, Juve don't give a shit about Napoli, but Napoli care about Juventus. Um I don't, I don't see it happening. I, I've always said I prefer us to sign like a, a like Richarlison. I quite like that guy. I think he can play through the middle. He can play wide. I would like us to sign somebody like that, a bit more adaptive, who can play instead of or alongside Kane. But if there was a deal about Lucas Moura going the other way and us getting him in, would that move us forward, do you think? Yeah, for sure. But it would, it would obviously impact on Kane's playing time. But that fat guy never plays the whole season anyway. So... Yeah, that fat guy, <laughs> that fat guy. Did you? Know, he, I haven't, I haven't been on the fighting cock for a while. He had he had a proper wobble when he when he was playing against West Ham and he celebrated. I don't know what he what happens to him when he's injured, but he he needs to control the eating, though. Uh, I mean, this is something you've been obsessed with for ages, like years. What Kane's body? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm a little <laughs> bit obsessed with Kane. Who's not obsessed with Kane? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, in a positive way, I am. Yeah, but um, you're you're just like, oh, look here, he's your dad bod, dad bod. Anyway, uh, Barcelona have contacted Spurs about signing Tangi on Dombele and Ryan Sessegnon in part exchange deals. Uh, Mourinho has blocked Barca's approach for Sessegnon whilst the club are unwilling to negotiate a deal for Ndombele. When you say like part exchange, that means players coming back to us, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, was there no, no like no did not mention any any players. Uh, Is Artur gone to? Artur's gone to Juve. They did a swap. So Barcelona are, are, are really tight on money. They're they're broke as fuck. So they they everything that they do will involve um, uh, kind of nifty financing and player swaps. The problem is at Barcelona they have a very old squad, and I'm not sure who who offers us a great deal of value. I think the only one that's been been spoken about, which would serve us really well, is Umtiti, who's a left who's a left sided centre back, but he's twenty six. Other than that, they've got a load of 21, 22 year olds who who hold a lot of value they're not going to get rid of. And Frankie de Jong, Dembele, these kind of guys who they're not going to pass off to us. So I think if it was us we'd be go if we were going to part exchange Ndombele, we'd maybe get Semedo 
or maybe Rakitic, but they, I'm not, Rakitic is like ancient, so I'm not too keen on that. No, we'll, we'll end up with one of like 18 year old prodigy, like, you know, decent y- y- young players like uh, De Santos. <laughs> That's what we'll end up with. Or Fatty, maybe they give us Fatty for a, for, for a season. That'd be incredible. <laughs> Uh, some questions. Uh, Irv Burrell, he says, uh, if an identical Jose Pogba situation arises at uh, Spurs with uh, Jose and Tangi, if it hasn't already, who would you choose to keep? T. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't. I, can't I, I mean, unless like the manager is completely incompetent, which... Regardless of whether or not you you agree with how Mourinho's managed his time at Spurs and and whether he sullied his career at United despite winning two transfers, uh, two uh, trophies, you can't in this instance take the potential of uh, of Ndombele over the potential of what Mourinho can do at Tottenham. I mean that you can never choose a player over a manager, really. No, it it's completely undermines your football club and opens you up to to all kinds of problems. That if the next, if you if so, if you sack Mourinho f- to save Endombele, then the next manager comes in. Endombele loves him, but then Harry Kane hates him. What are you going to do? You're going to keep sacking managers until a group of twenty five year old children are happy with their teacher. It's impossible. Anything to add, T? Um, not much really. No, I think um, I think with Tongi is that if we do go with him. What are we guaranteed? We're not guaranteed to win at all. You know, Lionel Messi at Barcelona, he's seen the lots of managers, but is Lionel fucking Messi? Mm. Tongi's yeah, not yeah. that. Yeah, if it was Lionel, Lionel Messi, uh, then, yeah, I would say Mourinho needs to, to go. But but uh, it isn't. It's uh, Ndombele, who we still don't know whether or not he can actually cut it at this level. I'm sure he can, but we don't know. And we won't know until uh, Jose Mourinho's out of the football club. So fucking bin him out. Let's see. Uh, Ali Jameson says, what is the biggest mistake Enoch or Levy have made? Stratford doesn't count. Bardi. I mean, it's it's really tough. The one that's always kind of pinned on Levy is the Nelson and Saha transfer window. That's that's the one that always springs to mind where, you know, the title was possibly there, but definitely top four was there and, and we, we messed it up. Uh, other than that, perhaps like maybe signing players, but we never know how far away we were from. So maybe I'd, I'd maybe say that that summer with um, that 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 winter transfer win, uh, winter transfer window with um, Saha and Nelson. No, I'd go with that. T not buying Aguero. Mm, yeah. Well, how close were we? A Rizzler paper away, mate. Is that right? I was in the room. Top table. <laughs> I mean, the weird thing is, you watch um, you watch Wolves play now, and they got Moutinho still fucking bossing things. And AVB wanted him as a key player. Had we signed Moutinho and then had Bale and everything else, maybe maybe something incredible could have happened. Because AVB, he he ended up being a bit of a joke, but he has kind of proven himself at Marseille to be a half decent manager. So maybe maybe Moutinho as well can be kind of pinned on Levy. Well, you had uh, Moutinho, I think Eden, ha- Eden Hazard as well was going to join us from, was it Lille? Or? Lille. Yeah, but then Chelsea yeah. won Champions League. Mm. Yeah, he wanted Champions League, so I guess. Dybala. Um, yeah, maybe that, that was Fernandez. it. Fernandez. Bruno Fernandez seems like a bad one now. Uh, we did have, the problem was we didn't shift Ericsson. I think had we shifted Ericsson for the money we wanted, I think Fernandez would have been, would have been with us. Oh, he's so good. Uh 
yeah, it's, the the ones that, that spring to mind, uh, yeah, definitely Stratford. That that was sort of unforgivable, but you know it, it, that that's been taken off the the table. I think um, the StubHub stuff was really bittersweet a pill to to swallow at the time. But in terms of footballing senses, I can I can always find a caveat to to um, to understand why that decision was made. Apart from Nelson Saha, where we were flying, yeah. But if you remember at the time, like there, there was kind of a, a, a uh, we didn't know what was happening with Harry Redknapp. He he wanted that job at England. Then they had the tax issues. Um, like we don't know what goes inside the football club, but maybe the relationship between Daniel Levy and Harry um, Harry Redknapp was so bad that he didn't feel like he could trust him. But it, that we were so good going into that Christmas period and that, that January period that a couple of players there would have potentially pushed us over the line. Uh, and then you might look at the not spending for 18 months or free, free transfer windows, but we were building a stadium, so you can kind of understand that as well. What about the furlough? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really. That as well is that like, companies all over the all over the shop were were furloughing and taking advantage advantage of this. But this is Tottenham, though. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. There's there's bigger organisations out there who make more money than Tottenham furloughing staff as well. Of course, they're gonna if they, they if, if they're furloughing staff to protect their jobs, which is essentially what this that was about. Then it's not the end of the world. Uh, and look, I think football clubs and the players especially come under a lot of stick. I don't. Do you, do you listen to um, the Louis Farouk, uh series that he's done when he was locked up? Well, not locked up, but um, self-isolating. And he did one with Troy Deeney. And if you, if you get an opportunity, to listen to it because it's really, really good. Like Troy Deeney, whether you like him or hate him, speaks really honestly. Not like most football players, he's got a lot to say. And uh, he was talking about how football uh, as a you know, a thing as as, as a spectacle, as a, a, a an object that exists in our society, gets held up on a on a um, pedestal that very other in very few other industries do. And he was talking about how uh, what's his name? Who's the secretary? Health secretary? Hancock. Hancock. Yeah, Hancock was saying, yeah, football players need to do more. Like, but why? Why? Why do they? Why do they? Why? Why is football held up as this kind of you know that this kind of uh, ethical bastion that that needs to to, to demonstrate some sort of um, like a altruistic attitude towards problems that happen in in society. Why why was it so bad that Tottenham and Liverpool and other clubs furloughed some of their staff? It's bad. When... They didn't they didn't have to do it. And football clubs is more. I think PR counts for more in a football club than for someone like Amazon, where people will just buy Amazon stuff anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 think, um, I think it was a bad move, him doing that from a PR point of view. He's kind of gone over and beyond, you know, with hosting the NHS at the stadium, etc., and giving them supplies. But he could have just followed the staff in the first place and done that as well. So I don't yeah. think that's a good move. Um, but yeah, but generally, I don't, I, 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 as, as I've said loads and loads of times, I, I don't have the um, the same negative feeling towards Daniel Levy as as a lot of other Spurs fans, and I, and as much as I've tried to understand it, I, I don't really, I don't really get it. I don't understand why there is such a, a negative feeling 
towards you know what I'd love to do on this podcast actually talk to someone who is so like fervently leavey out someone who could actually you know properly string a sentence together and have a decent <laughs> conversation about it I'd, I'd love to talk love to talk to him uh, just, with, to, with, just to fit with facts man with facts just come on with facts don't just be angry and talk about I don't want to be one of those where they're just talking about people on Twitter defending this and that. People don't want to hear about what's on Twitter. People just want to hear, why do we want Enoch out? And, you know, why should we join your cause? It's like your manifesto. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And if it's just like, oh, we should have bought players, uh, you know, when we, we had the opportunity when Pochettino was in his pomp, like, that, that isn't enough. Like, we, you know, in an ideal world, you would have, players but we're also spending huge amounts of money on a stadium we didn't know where when it was going to be completed not just that and all the other shit that we've invested in as well so I genuinely like to have a conversation with someone who really is so against Levy just just to have just to, to figure it out not to have an argument but just to have a have a conversation about where where this kind of and there isn't just one or two people there are lots of people on Twitter and that isn't reflective of the Tottenham fan base it's reflective of the some sections of the Tottenham fan base on Twitter, but it's been interesting conversations. Anyone listening to this who feels like they want to have that chat, then I'll definitely be be up for it. We can do it over Skype. Uh, final question: Walt J on Twitter he says uh, CDM is a must, and GLC is a starter that leaves one spot in midfield for Tangi or uh, Dele. Who should go? If you're selling one of them, who would you sell? Um, I think I think Dele's finding himself in a more and more uncomfortable position with. Is his body lack of form, and the lack of kind of establishing a role for himself as a player at the moment? He's very much a player you have to kind of allow to be free. Whereas with Mourinho, even though he did kind of like him, Mourinho's very much about systems. I'm concerned about Delhi as a as a Tottenham player. Yeah, me too. I, I wonder how much more he can offer us at this level. What about you, T? Yeah, I think, and I feel the same, that Delhi's on very borrowed time. I think he'd probably be the one you'd have to make way. Um, but then with Tongi, I was very high on him. But no, I just, I'm just starting to think he's got to kind of meet Mourinho halfway. He's got to show the fans and himself that, you know what, I'm working my arse off here. I'm not even getting a chance. He came in against Sheffield United and... It was like I was just playing with a bunch of five-year-olds, just, you know, brushing the ball around and not really not really moving much. And, you know, in English football and on the Jose Mourinho team, that's not really going to cut it. So I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place of those two. Yeah, it's a weird one. And we don't know until they play him, do we? We don't know how um, effective that they or, or how good they can be again in, in Deli Alli's instance or in Dombele's instance where how good he could be for Tottenham. We don't know until they, they get minutes and... Are able to influence and, and and be a part of the the first eleven because, like you know, Eric Dyer isn't pulling up trees, but he's performing on a level that I never thought we'd see him again. And you know, like I said earlier on in the podcast, six months ago, I wouldn't have ever thought that I would say that about him again. But it is what it is. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us on the Fighting Cop podcast. Uh, Felonious Filth, what's up? And uh, Barry, nice to hear your thank voice you so much. And yours, always. We didn't talk about the uh, horrendous shit you posted, <laughs> but um, maybe we'll do it another time. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Cheers.
Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse Meatball Sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Look, my day job as a firefighter is tough, but my night job as a social media manager, my Persian cat Jinxie, that's intense. It's 8 p.m. I've finally gotten home from another 24-hour shift, and I just want to kick back with a cold one, but old Jinxie knocks my beer right off the counter and gives me that look that says, no drinking on the clock. But Heineken Zero Zero keeps us both happy. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I get my drink, and I can still work on Jinxie's new line of merch. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.